Hello, dear listeners. I wish you all a happy new year 2021. You know, 2020 was a really crazy year. So I hope 2021 turns out to be different and I hope all your goals and wishes and your dreams come true. Now, if one of your goal is to go ahead and become a solopreneur, then I can help you with that. So I created a course called Salesforce Solopreneur, the modern day freelancer. And in this course, I try to give you all the information that you need in order to become a successful solopreneur. Being a freelancer is not about just having technical skills, but also about having a unique brand. And this is where we start. I go ahead and help you identify what can be your Salesforce brand. Then we go ahead and establish this brand. And then I also talk about how to market yourself or how to market and build your identity in the ecosystem. Once all this is done, then you will start getting customers. And then I show you how to go ahead and manage those customers. Last but not the least, I go ahead and share some best practices. Now, these are basically mistakes that I've done. So I go ahead and share them so that you can learn from them and you don't have to repeat them and avoid those mistakes. So go ahead, check out learn.forcepreneur.com. Check out the course. There are free videos for every module. You can watch it for free and use the code FP10 to get a 10% discount. That's FP for Forcepreneur 10. Now enjoy the episode with Paul. Who would just add fields to a page layout without asking, why are you adding this field? My favorite question in the whole world is why? If you don't know why you're doing something, don't do it. Because it means that you are bound to repeat the same mistakes. If you can learn why you're doing something, then you don't have to keep on going back to the source and asking. You can then say, oh, well, actually, this has happened. We need to make these and these adjustments. You can take it further. But my favorite question, for anyone has to be why. What's up, everyone? This is Ankit from Forcepreneur.com, and you're listening to the Forcepreneur podcast. On this show, I talk to founders of profitable Salesforce companies and try to get a sense of what it is to be an entrepreneur in Salesforce Cosmos. How did it all start, and how is the journey until now? How do they make decisions both in professional and personal life? Our goal here is to learn from their examples so that the rest of us can go on and build our own profitable Salesforce businesses. My guest today needs no introduction. He is world famous in Europe. Starting one dreaming event is so mainstream and easy that he decided to do a second one. Just kidding, he actually loves to bring people together. A six times certified Salesforce professional who also has a golden hoodie most importantly, he's a solopreneur. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ankit. Thank you very much for having me. And just one c- correction. Uh, for the for two out of the three-ish dreaming events that I'm involved with, I didn't uh, create them myself, but I saw good ideas. And what I often do is put people together. When there's a good idea that I think just needs a little bit of a push, um, I will often be that person to make it happen. Of course, that's why your LinkedIn says enabler and facilitator. And I agree to that because you have also personally helped me connect with a lot of people. And yeah, so tell us about yourself. What were you doing before Salesforce and how did you enter the Salesforce world? Um, So prior to entering the Salesforce world, um, a long time ago, actually, I quit university. I quit university after one year. I think that's important because university for me, was a fairly theoretical um, exercise. Even though one of the classes I was doing was about programming, it was still too theoretical. I like to get my hands dirty. I learn by doing things. So it's a kinesthetic style of learning. So I quit university after one year. I then went through about 100 jobs in two years, temping, um, which is an insane amount that no one should ever do. And then I did some admin, and then I was an office manager. So admin other style admin now. I was an office manager. I'm never going to say how good an office manager I was. And eventually I ended up in IT. But then in 2011, someone introduced me to Salesforce and I realized that this actually enables people. So it still comes back to me being an enabler. Um, Salesforce enables people. And unlike traditional IT, which is about turning things off and turning on, this means people can actually just uh, do things, have ideas and have their, makes their businesses happen. 
Interesting. So let's jump right into in one of the things that we both mostly collect or connect on is freelancing. So when did you started doing freelancing and tell us a little bit more about that? So I didn't ever plan to get into freelancing, even though I was a temp. And one of the best things about a temp, I was thinking about this today, was when I used to fax my timesheet over to my agency. And then a week later, I would have money in my bank account. So there's a very direct line and link between working and getting paid for it, which I feel is lost in permanent work because people say thank you, but it just doesn't have that same connection for me. Um, so my first job, um, I, uh, as uh, when I came into the Salesforce ecosystem, was self-employed. And that was purely because my boss didn't want to go through the tax hoops of employing someone. Interesting. So, and already at that point, very quickly, he gave me a client that he didn't actually want. So it's quite interesting. And I'm sure that there's a lesson there that you get rid of the... As you go through the work period and you gain new clients, you should be dropping some of your earliest clients because the earliest clients won't be quality controlling you. They won't know who you are. They're not asking the right questions. And they're probably the people that you don't actually want in the long run. Now, you might get backers who you go with very strongly, but some of those clients will be clients that you should be ditching. And if you haven't ditched all your clients, you probably need to think about, you're probably too emotionally committed to them. That's very interesting because this is something that I also talked about in my course is choosing the right projects because if you choose the right projects, that's how you also grow as a professional. Like if you just keep doing the same projects again and again, you are doing fine and you're making money, but you're not growing as a professional. Kill me now. Um, so I think this might come in later on, but one of my biggest struggles is finding the right projects to go for that where that aligns on my personal journey, which is amazing on my own terms because it's uh, taken me to places that I never thought I'd be um, versus getting money coming in. And there's always an interesting balance that some people manage better than others on that. So enlighten us because so I believe when you got your first project, you already had some life experience and, you know, a lot of listeners here are young and they're like, OK, I'm doing this full time and they want to jump ship and do, you know, freelancing, which to us, we should also mention is not about making more money because, you know, for, for both of us, freelancing is about giving us the opportunity to do the other things like dreaming events and organizing dreaming events or, um, you know, just community work or writing blogs, for example. You are very, uh, you are a very proficient and avid blogger. Or spending your time going off um, playing musical instruments and recording music, which I know that you do. It doesn't all have to be about the Salesforce uh, universe. Uh, we can bring everything. Uh, I'm a real believer in being our authentic selves, which is to say that all the life experience we have however young or however old you are, you can bring that. One of the charities that I spend a lot of time volunteering for is the Together Plan, and that's helped me on my journey. That's helped me become, I'm going to say, a better individual. Um, I've learned how to relax more, how to have more fun, but I've also learned to see the potential and, uh, that everyone has, and that's a joy to behold. And I wouldn't have had that without working for this uh, nonprofit organization. Right. So when you got started, if I understand correctly, you knew how to handle business, like you knew how to get started. Like what, what, what was it in London or in Amsterdam? Because now you're based in Amsterdam. Yeah. So that was in London. I guess I did know how to handle businesses. And what I'd say is for the younger people is where you can start is by and I'm writing an article on this at the moment about volunteering, but you could actually volunteer for commercial companies. Right. And so where I started before I uh, got my first paid job in the Salesforce ecosystem was helping a mate out on the weekend with his Salesforce because he right. said he, he was too busy. And then he asked me at the end of the weekend, you know, how much do you want to be paid? And I said, don't be silly. Just give me more work like this. So that's how I gained my experience. But you can help people with their business problems and discuss it as as we would now probably look at it as mentoring or some you know right some some other uh, suitably fancy title but just chatting with mates and discussing problems and offering to help them is a really good way to get started so you can still build up your experience 
from all these things and you can start small projects yourself and see where they go. Um, they don't have to take a lot of time or investment. Um, it's right. more about putting your toe in the water, giving it a try. That's, right. the, that's the single biggest challenge. I'm actually just on a course now uh, from Speakers Academy about public speaking. And they say, the more practice, the better that you get. And actually, it's like uh, blogs. The I was, again, thinking about this beforehand. The first blog probably took me three months to put together. I'm now put, probably putting out at least two blogs a week. One under my own name somewhere. Well, maybe not one every other week under my own name somewhere. But also I'm writing content for websites and mentoring other people in how to write blogs. And so what was hard work, and I would stress and almost cry over, is now really easy for me to do just because it's... But to get to that 100 blog, which is easy to do, you've got to go through all the pain of the other 99 first. Right. As they say, practice makes perfect. And yeah, I'm also a graduate of Speaker Academy. Shout out to Mr. Kierbaum and Miss Julia Doktroff. Mrs. Yes, Julia Doktroff? exactly. Those are, those, are my, my, those are my teachers and I am hugely grateful uh, yeah. for them. And we're having great fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the amazing thing. I can attest to that. Like all the course presentations I made, I'm more than thankful to them. I don't know how to thank them, how polished they are just because of them. So speaking about freelancing, again, coming back to that, and you also specialize in nonprofit, like that's your area. That's where you feel at home. You're also nonprofit cloud certified. So tell us, how did you come about that? And are you building a specialization in that particular area? So that wasn't the plan. The plan was, and I'd done this whilst I was temping, to do some commercial work, and then some non-profit work, and then some commercial and some non-profit, because I like to take some of the commercial realities and take them into the non-profit world. Uh, the non-profit world tends to be a bit slower at these right. things. But I am a generalist. This is my heart. Um, I love to uh, be jack of all trades and master of none. But I was having just a discussion with my husband, and actually... In terms of marketing, it's too hard to market that message. So I am going down the nonprofit uh, specialist right now. This is also something, again, as I'm discussing in my course, which is basically when you want to be a freelancer or a solopreneur, you need to build certain specialization in one particular area because why should they take you? You know, being a freelancer is about being a specialist. That's why the companies hire freelancers. So I'm all about... Uh, being your authentic self, but at the same time, people like boxes. Yeah. That when you're speaking to uh, recruitment agencies who will sell your services and your soul as appropriate, they need to understand what your offer is. And if you say, I'm good for everything, great, I think that's great. They'll, think that they'll say that's fine. But actually, when the client calls them, what you that what the client says is I want someone who's specialising in such and such a topic, and then it's the job of the recruiter to go right. Well, here's the people that are selling that message that uh, will match your requirements. So the die is cast. I am now a non-profit specialist, right? And I'm very so very excited about it actually because I then realised that as I delve into it there's some areas of non-profits which are more exciting to me than others so now it gives me an opportunity to really articulate what's going to give me great pleasure and where I've got the expertise as well which is absolutely perfect because there are no not so many non-profit specialized which is very good because there are not so many non-profit specialists in our community. I mean, I know Hands-On Connect, they are one of, you know, or Arcus Inc. So these are consulting firms which just do non-profit cloud. Maybe there are some other ones. I don't know. There's one in Germany, uh, my old employer, Cloud Consulting Group. They focus on non-profit cloud. But I think this is a very untapped market, like just being a non-profit cloud consultant. So tell us, how is a non-profit cloud consultant different to some of the other consultants, like I know there must be slight nuances. First of all, your heart needs to be in the right place. You're not doing it for the money, I believe. Um, look, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't charge top-notch rates, but I certainly charge middle-of-the-market rates. Um, so the, commercial, the commercials are there. Right. We all have to buy our bread. Exactly. But it's about where my passion is. I really want the right result for nonprofits. I was working at one 
consultancy and I had to do something about secondhand cars where they're buying from one area of Europe and selling to another. I just wasn't excited by a long way. Uh, give me a non-profit consultant, I, uh, non-profit job, and I will be up all night trying to think of what's the right solution for them. Right. And when it comes to non-profits, so all sectors of this, you know, all, non-profits are still in the business of selling. They might be selling donations. That's, sorry, they might be receiving donations, but that's trying to sell, quite right. frankly. It's, it is the, the same thing. They might be getting funding, but it's, again, it's an opportunity. It's a, it goes through a sales cycle. To get them so lots and lots of similar where it's different is that there's structural differences in terms of if you're working at a non-profit that has lots of volunteers the stakeholder management is different from commercial companies you won't just have a director whose uh, bottom line is focusing on earning money there'll be some other intangibles and also some other political uh, considerations that you need working at a non-profit is it more flat compared to like a normal company hierarchies? A face could tell a thousand words. Um, it depends on how good or bad the nonprofit is. Um, what I've recently discovered and gone uh, and thought about is that nonprofits suffer with investment. It's very strange because nonprofits can get funding for investment. They don't get funding from for ongoing work. So. But that means that they do one-off shiny projects and then don't build on them. So it means that the incentives are wrong for the entire organization. So it's not about flat versus structured. That's the same as any other organization. The, it, it can vary depending on the company style and the okay. uh, company ethos. But the difference is the nature of the funding and the need for the training and the staff turnover. All right. Do you work as an admin when you go inside, let's say, a nonprofit and you help them with their layouts and stuff? Or do you also consult them, like, how to do this better? Like, they have this a goal of getting so much donations or making an impact? Or is it a combination of both? I'm going to throw this one back to you. I don't think I've ever been an admin in my life. Who would just add fields to a page layout without asking, why are you adding this field? My favorite question in the whole world is why? If you don't know why you're doing something, don't do it. Because it means that you are bound to repeat the same mistakes. If you can learn why you're doing something, then you don't have to keep on going back to the source and asking. You can then say, oh, well, actually, this has happened. We need to make these and these adjustments. You can take it further. But my favorite question for anyone has to be why. But also, uh, I have real problems with this term admin because Unless you're a really big organization, I wouldn't understand why you'd ever employ an admin. You want to have... So here in the Netherlands, we're now calling them Salesforce Functional Consultants. Right. And it's not a sexy name. By a long stretch of the imagination. But admin? This is, admin means form filler. That's not what this role... That's not what the role should be. If you're going to do it... I don't believe in doing a role badly. If you're going right. to do it right, it needs to be that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So also, we are circling back to David's uh, David Liu's video where it was like, you know, admin jobs are gone. Or, or even in my course, I say the days of just being a Salesforce admin or just being a consultant, you know, like five or six years ago, I can imagine or I remember like there were people who were just admins, like they were given their task and they would just make out those flows and no questions asked. There were some roles like that not anymore yeah. i think today you need to be a combination of both you give you you come with your experience and you know you get the problem and then you're like okay this is where we want to go and then you kind of consult them and then you make the solution for them yeah and i'd say even if you don't understand why you've been asked to do something ask the question why you need to show your frailty otherwise you will not learn if you right. think you can bluff your way through your learning curve will be a lot slower and so this is how you become an expert at something because I seek to understand the businesses that I work for. I don't just do what they do. I don't just know the limits of the nonprofit success pack. It's better that uh, I can always go and find an expert if I need to do something. For me, it's about understanding why the business is doing that. And often, followed by why, the answer is no. Or let's consider that. That's the second part of it. And that's Funnily enough, that's the one of the advantages of being uh, an entrepreneur, uh, a forcepreneur, 
is that you're kind of allowed to say no. If you're an employee, I mean, I have this discussion sometimes uh, with those near and dear to me who say, why are you not just doing what you've been asked to do? And I'm like, no, the impact, if I'm still here in a year's time, the impact's going to kill me. Right. I'm not doing that to myself. I'm not doing that to the organization I work for. I just couldn't do that to myself. And actually, I think that's sometimes why we have to be entrepreneurs. Right. If you're not prepared to take, if you're not prepared to just follow someone's line because they think that they have seniority because they've been in the business longer, I am not interested in how long you've been in the business. I have been here for 10 years. I will happily take instructions, and I do take instructions from people that have been in the business for, you know, for six months or a year. If they've got the right idea, if they tell me, if they look at something in a different way, I want to know. I want to learn. I am not interested in... What was good eight years ago isn't always good now. So if you're fan you coming in, this is my message to you. You've actually got a better set of eyes because you've looked at all the most recent things. You've been on the recent courses. You've learned all the recent technologies in depth. We don't actually, as more longer serving members of the community, we don't always have those opportunities. Right. So freelancing is also about you know you always have to find new customers and you know attract new people so how do you work on building your brand i mean you have a certain brand you have a flair about yourself when you are at a conference and i recommend everyone to meet paul at oh. every conference he's more than happy to i remember conferences i remember <laughs> they they were great this is recorded. in case you're listening in the far future this is corona time <laughs> i remember conferences so oh, my yeah. my gig was going around and just hugging people if they wanted when they yeah. came in. I am not a morning person, but my God, someone tells me that there's a conference and the desk is being set up there at 7 o'clock, I'll be there at 6.45, banging to be let in. I right, just right. love it. Um, right. But actually, that is my brand because I was working, how can I add value? And I thought, actually, I can infuse people where they come in. I am not the most technically gifted person, but if I can make someone excited, they do half the work for me. It's right. fantastic. Right. But you would agree that being a solopreneur is about having certain brand about yourself. You have to know what differentiates yourself from anyone else. If you want to work, at a, otherwise, just go and work at a body shop, uh, right. one of the uh, global consulting partners. Right. Um, but you're solo. Therefore, there's aspects of yourself which you think make you unique. Right. Try and understand what those are and work yeah. on them for better or for worse. And from the financial standpoint of view, it has been successful. Like you're doing good in life. You're stable. Everything is fine. I have a, sorry about this, folks, but I have a beautiful flat in Amsterdam overlooking a canal. To be honest, it's not hard in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, I am very happy with my life. It's, it doesn't make me a millionaire the way that I do it because I spend a lot of time volunteering. Um, but does it make me happy? Does it make me comfortable in myself? Hell yeah. So that's, it's not all about the money. There, there's some very successful very people charging quite large, quite nice day rates out there. I'm not one of them, um, but I'm definitely not poor. Um, yeah, so it, it's financially, the, the, rates are, the rates are quite nice, quite comfortable. Well, since we are there, I don't want to know your exact rate, but can you give the listeners, let's say, a range between where they can see, like if they're starting as a freelance consultant. So I, in my course, say that around 60 to 70 euros for someone. First of all, if you want to be a freelancer, you need to have some experience. You need to have two, three years of experience to start. And then I say 60 is a really nice point where you can start again depending upon the city like berlin 60 is okay if amsterdam is expensive i've been there paris 60 is nothing i believe yeah so i would say um it's probably but just between 80 and 90 euros an hour for your basic admin consultant right yeah um but there's certainly people charging 100 euros an hour plus uh, the commercial so where we are we're competing with the small consultancies that's exactly. our competition and so they'll be charging out at 120 140 euros a day in amsterdam so you can't charge more than that because otherwise unless you're exceptional unless you've got 10 plus certifications right um, and there are some in the local ecosystem who definitely do charge more but the point is that why would you go to one person who's a single source of failure when you can be buying into a team and getting a team's worth of expertise so 
that's our that's the market that we're competing with the smaller uh, right. consultancies. Now, if you go to London again, London the rates are higher in London than they are in Amsterdam. Uh, well, the coffee and beer are expensive in London than in Amsterdam, right? Or rent? Are they worth it? I don't know. I love I, German I, beer. I'm in Germany. I cannot complain. <laughs> I, I have Heineken Zero, so okay. um, I'm sorted on that front. Right. How do you manage the business, like the taxes and the admin part and invoicing? Do you have some automation? Do you have a tax lawyer? Um, so I um, this is so my business, despite being in the Netherlands, my business is still um, based in the UK and will be for another year, just because there's some tax advantages that run out as mm -hmm. part of moving around Europe and benefiting from that. Um, so I certainly uh, I used to use Zero. Very good uh, piece of software. Highly recommend that. But basically, hell yes, use software. I did start out. If you're only doing one invoice a month, sure, Excel is fine. Anything above that, especially once you're doing receipts, uh, you definitely want to be using software because then you just don't have to think about it. And you have a tax lawyer who does this for you or do you file your own taxes? Um, so I use the software which does 90% of the work, but I still have to pay a tax lawyer. How long have you been freelancing now? So I've been freelancing for coming up to uh, coming up to 10 years. So wow. not, currently at nine and a half. I'll be very happy. I'm just going to say more than 10 years. Once you get to that, wow. you're an OG years. in that case. So what have been your top three challenges running a business and how did you overcome them? My top three challenges in running uh, in running a business, business leads. I am not a salesman. What I've noticed for the very small entrepreneurs like myself is that they tend to have one client which is providing the solid income week in, week out. And then they get side projects, which are really the extra money that makes you feel comfortable. So you have one main uh, project and then a few bits at the side which will come and go depending on what happens and how lucky you are and what their needs are. Um, if you're better at sales, then that's absolutely fine. But finding good, uh, it's a struggle. Finding good salespeople, I've uh, spoken to others, is a struggle. You kind of need someone to generate those leads for you. You absolutely need to go out networking. Right. But do it in a very soft way. Build up friendships. Because right. it's actually the friends will give you projects for free. They won't charge you. They won't... I've spent so long discussing with friends charging structures and referrals so that my friends actually give me the work for free and I do likewise because some work will come my way which isn't suitable for my skill set I'll just pass it to someone else they're happy, I'm happy, the client's happy you may or may not get something else from it but this is the great joy about the Salesforce ecosystem that just people are very happy to share I think there are enough fish in the pond for everyone. And I also do that in my course. I also talked about it like when, you know, people are always like, how do you find those customers? When I'm like, talk to existing freelancers, because more often than not, they are asked for work. And when they have an overflow, they are happy to give forward. But you need to know them. You just cannot, like I sometimes out of the blue get LinkedIn requests. Hey, Anke, do you have some work from me? And I'm like, I'm not going to forward a customer to you because my reputation is on the line too. So you, I'm happy to Hell give it yeah. to you. I'm happy to give the work to you, but let's get to know each other. Let's show me something that you have done. Show me why I should give it to you. I'm more than happy to give it to you because I am full myself, you know? And the second thing, networking is an art is the first episode of this, of this particular podcast with Reena Gupta, where we talked about when you go networking, don't go with your visiting cards, you know, help people genuinely. This is also what Amnon talked. Amnon gets most of his work from London and from, uh, sorry, from the London dev group and, you know, from the, from the success community, but he's just helping people you know, and then they come back to you when they have bigger problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just amazing. And actually, when you've got when you've got problems as an entrepreneur, then you again tap into the ecosystem and people will tell you how to, you know, I've had free training sessions on flow uh, from real gurus. And it's just like, it's amazing. But right. this is kind of what made me so happy to help other people early on in my career. Um, I didn't understand a date and time formula that was posted. Right. And someone spent an hour of their time explaining that to me. Right. And I was just like, okay, this is the expectation of how it's to work. I can work with this. I didn't realize that I'd be able to do that, but I've, I do that quite often now. 
Um, right. But it's a joy because every time I do it, I learn something else or they teach me, or they give me some feedback, which helps me. So it's, it's, you know, there's a balance to it. You can't help everyone, but um, it is a joy when you do it. I can attest to that because many a times me and Paul, I have asked him something and he would just call me back on Sunday, like at 6.30 p.m. in the evening. Our calls start with five minutes and sometimes they end up to 55 minutes or something discussing. So that's definitely there. But I, I have to say, I love Ankit because he can cope with me being brutally honest. Yeah, which um, is absolutely what I want, which is just bam on your face, no bullshit feedback. That helps me because I'm not in two shades. I'm like, okay, this is working. This is not working. And I wouldn't say anytime you have hurt my feelings, rather you have helped me because you just don't sugarcoat it. It's like, bam, yeah. take it. And then it's there. What I try and do is not, and this comes actually, I'm, I'm genuinely a negative person. I'm always battling this. So when I give feedback, I always say, this isn't any good. And then I try and explain why. Because what, if I just say it's no good, well, that doesn't help you out. It's like, well, is it no good because it's too short or because it's too long? That's unhelpful. So what I try and do is give some detail about why I've got this perspective. And then you've got something to work with. And again, it's what we try and challenge our customers on. If they say, I don't like this proposal, what don't you like about it? And actually, this is just a random business tip. Like, it is better to get an idea on the table, even if the customer is going to say no, because then it starts them thinking. They need everyone needs something tangible right. to work from and work uh, and build upon. Right. The good part of that is, which recently happened to me, where I sent you something and you just said, "Fabulous, this is good," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, like I literally jizzed in my pants because I was like, "Holy shit!" He said nothing. He just said he likes it. <laughs> I. Yeah. I did that to the um, one of the dreaming, the, the dreaming event. So nonprofit dreaming, which yeah. I'm uh, helping out with, which is for non uh, nonprofits and obviously right. for entrepreneurs in the nonprofit uh, ecosystem. Please, please, please tell your clients about it. Right. So tell us more about it. So nonprofit dreaming. It's on the 28th and 29th of January, and it's really exciting. It's been created for the nonprofit community by the nonprofit community. We're targeting roles such as admins, accidental admins, power users, and program managers. One of our key focuses is that everyone should come away with immediately actionable plans. So as well as the expected presentations, we're ensuring that there's a decent platform to allow attendees to collaborate and network with each other too. So it's the 28th and 29th of January, two half days, and all the details, including the very reasonable ticket prices, are at nonprofitdreaming.org. And how much is a ticket? They may be free. So Paul, according to you, because you have so much of experience and you've worked in different companies before, also as a temp, and then you know you have been freelancing for 10 years, what are the good qualities of a consultant? Like what makes a good consultant? So a good consultant listens. I'm not going to say that's one of my best qualities, but a good consultant listens. Um, uh, but also asks why. That is definitely the most fundamental thing because otherwise you're going to repeat they've got a consultant in for a reason if you don't ask why you'll end up repeating all the same mistakes that previous people have made um and the best quality is someone that actually part of my language is about to swear documents things uh because actually yeah documenting things is so important you think some people from traditional it backgrounds think that if they don't document things they have all the knowledge and people have to come back to them. Well, yeah, this means your annoying client is going to come back to you. It doesn't mean that you can move on to a new project. Wow, that's gold. That's absolutely gold. And Kier Bowden said this before, and I also said it, a good consultant. You know, you, I always try to leave the org as I would like to inherit it and make other person's life easier. And my dad always says, good comes, uh, work comes to you if you do good work. It's like something that attracts itself. And that's how so far work has come to me. If you do good work, good work will come to you. Absolutely. So one of the questions that I ask is like, how are your relations with local Ohana? You are as deep in Ohana <laughs> as someone can get. So I would rather say, tell us, how did you come up with, like you are also one of the founding fathers, if I can say, of your dreaming, or one of the founding members of your dreaming and also non-profit dreaming. So how did both of these come about? If you can quickly tell us what was okay. the idea, why are we doing it? 
your dreaming came about because I realised that we've got lots of very engaged community group leaders throughout the Benelux. Just the Dutch crowd had a tea, a dinner, something in Sergei's garden. Um, and then six months later, we said, why don't we do this in Belgium and get and all the Dutch and Belgium, you know, we can all go down to Belgium and uh, we can all be together there and we'll get the Luxembourg people on board too. So we did that. And that was an awesome thing. And one of the Andre come out with a suggestion says, you know, what I've always wanted to do is a dreaming conference. And so it was Andre's idea, but only because we'd come together and we just had that space for casual chit chat, not structured chit chat, but casual chit chat. And it came out of that. And that was awesome. And then we had 400, uh, 350 people uh, come to Amsterdam. Best 12 ago. euros spent of my life. So I got one of those power of 12 tickets. Oh, wow. The best 12 euros of my life, I would say. Yeah. And from your dreaming, then came something that I did found, which is your leading, which right. is for very active people in the community. So if you're listening to this in your community group leader, right. you're a Salesforce Saturday organizer, you're an MVP, you're a product champion, or you're an active blogger, and I always forget... And perhaps if you're doing something about podcasts as well, any of those categories, people who are deeply involved, uh, go to yourleading.eu uh, your and there's a mailing list. And once every couple of months, we've, we've taken a while to work it out with the kind of pandemic and how we're going to pivot it from a conference. But every couple of months, we have a session where we get together just for an hour over lunchtime or dinner time, depending on where you are. We have some awesome content and then some really interesting discussions and it's just a space for us to be ourselves and to not think about salesforce but think about the meta level of how we're organizing and how we're serving our communities i don't know if i've told you this before or if i tell you this before so i i also presented it i had the opportunity thank you to present at your lead in last year and i was all prepared i was all good and i'm not nervous i've presented many many times then I saw that crowd and they were like top people like Sandor, Martin, Enos, Daniel, like all who's who was sitting. That scared me. Then the Mr. Don Robbins came and gave me the mic and I'm like, you are facilitating. I shit my pants. I shat my pants so bad. I was like, holy shit, what am I landed myself into? I got the feedback from people that my presentation was good, but you should ask Sandor the next 10 minutes. I was like, did I do right? Was it all okay? Was it fine? Yeah. It was so a really good session. I, I must admit feeling a bit guilty about Don Robbins because I'm not a developer. So I didn't know who he was. He said, oh, can I help out? And it's like, well, you're not, you're not running a community group. And that was the limitation of your leading at the time because we expand and we change and we improve. Right. So it's like, well, if you help out on the day by running a microphone around, then I can kind of squeeze you in and sneak you in. And, you know, and then I, I but it just shows the generosity of the people in the ecosystem and hundred percent just for me personally, next time, please put a warning sign that Don Robbins is going to give you the mic because that just took me so much by surprise, but it was a very good learning experience. I literally learned something, you know, when you have done those presentations like 50, 60, 70 times, and then there was this crowd where you respect people, like you literally would pay to spend time with them, you know, and then they were all of them like sitting, Kevin Jackson was there. I remember. I was like, holy shit, where did I land myself? Anyways, so... So if you have a look at your yourleading.eu, that's Y-E-U-R-L-E-A-D-I-N.eu. I'll put it in the notes. Oh, it's on the notes. Okay, so, yeah, click on the link and uh, there you can listen to Ankit's, uh, you can watch Ankit's presentation in glorious 2D. Yeah, 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 you can do that. So how did you come up with the non-profit dreaming? Um, was it Melissa's idea? Melissa, that... that that's 100% Melissa. She just, we were on a virtual call together. She, she, was, she, is, she organizes once a week for nonprofits. And um, she just said, why don't we do a nonprofit dreaming? And I went, and, and about 20 people said, I'm in. And it was like, then someone suggested a date and I thought they're mad, but maybe that's possible. So kind of from August, the idea was only in August and we'll be up and running live in January and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, let's just get on with it. It's good timing. We're kind of aware of what we can do at this stage in the pandemic 
But also, it's a great, it's one of the few good things coming out of this because non-profits, they are in capital cities, but they're not enough of them to make a dreaming conference just for themselves. This way, we have people from around the world being honest. We're focusing on the uh, US continents and EMEA, so particularly, let's be honest, uh, North America, uh, the EU, India. Um, there's going to be some really... We, we have uh, 139 uh, speaker submissions. Being wow. honest, it's like some people are saying, oh, well, we won't get 10 speaker submissions. We'll have to tap people. And it's like, yeah, I think we'll get more than 10. But I was not expecting 139. I'll put a, like applause in the background when I post edit it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So that's Nonprofit Dreaming. Check it out, guys. It's happening in January. And I think it's a, for a very good cause. And you guys would learn more about it. As I mentioned before, like you, it will also help you become a better nonprofit consultant because then you can go ahead and figure out, okay, what are the things that nonprofits are looking for? So, and this, again, is a very untapped niche market. Like if you're looking to start your freelancing or solopreneur career, go ahead and check out Nonprofit Dreaming. It happens on 28th and 29th of Jan, right? That's it. And the thing that we're doing that we decided uh, is that we're not doing mainstream dreaming okay. content. So it's not project management. It's not how to adjust your page layout. It all has to be nonprofit specific. Right. Um, so because of, you can pick up that excellent content elsewhere. Everyone's recording it. So there's no point repeating. I, I'm not a fan of repeating what everyone else is doing. I'm not interested in that. You've got to think what's what's the angle that someone won't have be able to find elsewhere online where's the value added here so right i'm hoping we can achieve that nice so slowly we are coming to the end so what is your advice for budding solopreneurs and specifically those who want to build let's say a specialization in nonprofit? uh get some volunteering experience in um and it doesn't even have to be as a Salesforce admin, just get some experience of nonprofits and the different challenges that they encounter. Any experience in the nonprofit sector is still valuable experience, even if it's going out working on a nature reserve uh, over the weekend, which I used to do when I was younger. Because I was bored, being honest, because I was bored and slightly lonely, I used to go out on a nature reserve and that was a very rewarding experience. And again, because I saw some mismanagement there, gave me some experience of budgets and perverse incentives so uh, yeah just incredible and it was actually very good fun as well uh, there's always mismanagement no company is perfect by the way right. so um, yeah nice um any entrepreneur you look up to for inspiration apart from mark and steve jobs that we have a lot of that yeah i'm it's not the way my brain works i don't i i take tones but specific people, very, very rarely. So I've had a lot of people help me on my journey. Right. But if there's any one person in particular, no, blood, sweat and tears of lots of people. All right. But any other person in life you look up to for inspiration? Someone like... No, I don't know so there was this question, you know, who's your hero? Yeah. Um, I've had various people who've created spaces for me so matt morris is my hero because he set up the original london admin user group right um along with three other mvps so you know four mvps running my first user group not bad but so matt also had people that helped him so it's really everyone standing on uh, each other's shoulders so kind of this uh, heroes no that doesn't work for me i have friends i have friends that have given me counsel and supported me. And right. those are the ones that I value the most. Right. Being okay. honest. Do you read any book that you would like to recommend to our listeners? So Success With Less by Karen Mangia. She's all about the pause. But her biggest tip was if your phone rings and you look at the name on the phone and you go, uh, that might not be someone that you want in your life on a regular basis. You want people who are going to give you positive mental energy and you need to be honest about that and that also works with your assignments and goes right back to what i was saying god that's good of me i don't normally manage this goes right back to what i was saying at the beginning you've got to uh, choose your assignments for people that make you happy that people that make you want to get up 
there's enough work in this world. If someone's driving you insane, think carefully about, it doesn't matter how good the money is, they're sapping your mental energy and taking it out from all the projects and all the life, and you take that back into your personal life. I don't believe in a separation uh, between personal and work life. There is always uh, seepage. Right, 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 absolutely. Right. So success okay. with less bike. <laughs> your favorite productivity habit? So my favorite one is actually at the end of each day, and this comes back to a mental health thing because I have struggled over the years, is I have a little Google sheet. And at the end of the day, I write three good things that I've achieved in that day. And Perfect. very occasionally, there's something that I can only write one. It's like, oh, okay, something's up, need to work on that. But there's always, by the end of the evening, there's always three good things that I can write and that I'm proud of. And this makes me more confident. This, Yeah, this makes me more confident, um, which is not such, not always so good. But this means that when I want to bang and open doors, I know who I am. I know what value I'm adding. So, yeah, I actually, it's a weird thing because you don't want to be too confident. Uh, right. There's certain cultures in this world who are rah, 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 perfectionists. I'm not there. I don't believe in that. But I do believe that you need to be proud of what value you're adding. Because also, if you don't respect yourself, how can you expect anyone else to respect yourself? We all have amazing qualities. Some of us still have to discover what they are. But we all have amazing qualities. We're all unique individuals. So, um, th write three good things a day. Fantastic. Right. I do one thing that I'm grateful for. So, this is also what my girlfriend started doing. And then I just followed her. One thing before you go to bed, write down one thing that you're grateful for, which can relate to like three good things, you know. But somehow just be thankful, grateful that, okay, you know, there's enough in this world and you are doing good. If you have a roof on your top of your head and if you can eat and you have clean water to drink, that's more than what a lot of people kind of suffer, you know, have to go through. Thank you, Paul. That was really, really great. It was really enlightening for me to talk to you. I think we have not had this kind of conversation before. Usually our conversations also involves a lot of F-bombs and whatever not, but it has been really enlightening. Uh, check out Nonprofit Dreaming People. And yeah, you can always catch Paul um, at Naturally Paul. He's on Twitter or just LinkedIn. You can go and find Paul Ginsberg. He's usually very really approachable. So if you're going to connect to me on LinkedIn, you have to include a message. And it's not just... I, I think we can be do good business. I am not interested. Thank you very much. If you know, follow me on Twitter, you can click the follow on LinkedIn. If I can do something useful, if there's a question you've got about the community that I can help out with on LinkedIn, give me a reason. Very happy to connect. But otherwise, wait until the right time. You can still follow and you can still uh, follow me on Twitter. Then we can kind of interact and see how it goes. It's a relationship to be built. Right. Okay, and before we finish, I have a surprise rapid fire round. So I don't know if you know about this. And shout out to your lovely husband who has been a little helpful in this. So mm -hmm. are you are you ready? Probably not. Go for it. Tea or coffee? Tea. Windows or Mac? Windows. Ebooks or hard copy? Hard copy. Hummus or tahini? <laughs> yes. Yes. That was not the option. Hummus with tahini. <laughs> yeah, that'll do as well. Falafel or shakshuka? Uh, shakshuka. Astro or Cody? Cody's bigger. I, you know, he's he's meant for developers, but he, you can get more hugs out of him. It's a rapid fire. Astro or Cody? Zulk. <laughs> Cody is your answer. Cody. Okay. Yes. Yes. Double decker bus or double decker train? Oh, these aren't nice questions. These are horrid questions. I love going around London and just sitting on the top of a double-decker bus and being able to see the world at a high level. So actually, bus, I haven't thought about that. But give me a steam train. If it's double-decker bus or a steam train, I'm steam train. I'm all the way there. London or Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Okay. Dalek or K9? Dalek. Scone or Salab? Uh, scone. Okay. Are you a morning person or night person? What's a morning? Okay. If you could beam yourself to any place, where would it be? Oh, that I don't know. It's okay. where my friends are. Home is, uh, yeah, that's the... You have friends all over the world. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? If I could beam myself to anywhere, 
right here in my home. I'm, I'm a homely person. <laughs> Boring. If you hit the 10 million jackpot, what will you do? I have no idea. Interfere even more with as many projects as I can get my hands on. Which city do you like to travel to for business? Reykjavik. What is the worst, most crazy thing that you have seen in an org? That's just a miserable question. <laughs> Go and check out all confessions. Far too, far too familiar with them. Yeah, I know. But what do you have seen? Okay, what is the best thing that you have seen in an org? People running their own reports and dashboards. People putting so much time. I'm a real fan of it. People putting so much time putting the data in. But when they actually start to run their own reports and dashboards to get their own insights, then I feel they're empowered. Right. Best dream force and why? Uh, that'll be my second dream force. That, that is apparently the, the one where, I don't know, I've only managed two, but apparently that's the, the first dream force you're still trying to work out what's going on. The second dream force you kind of crack the system. So um, at the moment, at my score of two, it is two, but Dreamforce is awesome. And obviously this year, very sad not to be attending. Last question. Can Google be dethroned? I hope so. I don't believe in monopolies. Thank you, Paul. That was wonderful. That was really great talking to you. It's always a pleasure. And yeah, I uh, hope to see you around whenever it's possible, whenever we can see each <laughs> other. I still have my... Jump on the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Thank you. That's it for now, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, check out the other episodes. Please like, share and subscribe to Forcepreneur. We are available on all major platforms. If you have feedback about any episode or would like me to interview someone, please go to www.forcepreneur.com and let me know. I will get back to you as soon as I can. This is Ankit Taneja signing out. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.